Welcome to Lambs to Lions. You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Matt Funk. So today, today is what day? It is the day the Lord has made. And what do we do about it? Rejoice and we're glad in it. And thank God it's also that his mercies are made new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. I've entitled the teaching today for you, man, The Anguish of Architecture. The Anguish of Architecture. If you don't have my notes in front of you, they'll show up on the screen. I encourage you to to take notes because God's got a word for you today. You know, when I was young, I wanted to be an architect. I don't know if I told my boys this, but... Uh, all throughout high school, you know, I took drafting courses and I loved, I loved the design of buildings. And, and uh, it wasn't actually until my grade 12 year when I took a, a policing practicum that I was like, oh, this is fun. Uh, I want to do this. But even when I was uh, studying uh, policing in, in college back in 2001, um, I remember sitting in the classes, in the classes that I'd get bored in, I would I would draw all these buildings and homes that I one day wish that I would be able to live in. And, you know, I'm thinking back of architecture. My brother got married just outside of Chicago, my brother Joel, and I traveled to Chicago for the first time. Uh, and after the wedding, I did this architectural riverboat tour. Anyone ever done it? It's amazing. Like I asked the locals, like, what should I do? I've only got so much time in Chicago, you know, and it, and everyone was saying, do the riverboat tour. I'm like, okay. And I saw all these famous uh, buildings that are featured in most Hollywood movies, like uh, Batman Begins, Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, and the Dark Knight. And there's so, so there's a variety of all these amazing architectural buildings you recognize right away. Oh, I've seen that one. I've seen that one. But what's really cool is that Chicago's architects in the 1880s pioneered steel frame construction buildings, as well as the use of large panels of plate glass. But one of the greatest designs that the that our tour guide told us um, on, on the riverboat tour was that Chicago actually um, change the direction in which the river flows. Isn't that wild? And why did they do that? Well, there was sewage and other uh, pollution that was dumped into the river, and they were flowing into Chicago's primary source of drinking water. And as the city grew, uh, there was this fear of disease that, that would spread. So the officials decided to permanently reverse the river's flow sending its pollution, its polluted water to the Mississippi River instead. <laughs> Sorry, everyone that lives on the Mississippi River. But, you know, that's what I feel that we need to do today as men. You know, the, the crap that the enemy has been dumping on us and trying to pollute God's word with, we need to send it out. We need to get rid of it in our life. So if you've been feeling low... Let's flip the flow. How's that? You've been feeling low. Okay, we got some laughter. Let's flip the flow. You see, because God's got a plan and it's all part of his design. So I would like to read Genesis 6 today, starting in verse 5. We're going to read right to uh, 22. So why don't we start with Pastor Ray online, go down to Logan and studio, and then uh, men in-house, if you would come up and read the word, that would be wonderful. All right, 
Good stuff. So <laughs> people think of the story of the flood as God being angry. Well, a lot of people do. But it, in actuality, it's, it begins with God's anguish and his grief for the state of this world. So I'd like to look, first of all, at uh, verse 9. It says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. The first thing that stands out to me uh, here on the account of Noah is this Noah and his family. How many times have we mentioned, man, that everything flows out of the home? I mean, we're all here to become better fathers, husbands, or just men in our homes. You know, Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 12 to 13, I think that's actually my alarm, about a deacon. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served will gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith with Jesus Christ. See, it says Noah was righteous, blameless among the people, and walked faithfully with God. Here's the thing. The first thing we got to learn how to do before we run is we got to learn how to walk. And, you know, growing up as a kid, I had a hard time sitting still. Like I thought back to this and I, I literally, I was, I had a hard time with patience. But I would literally run everywhere. I couldn't walk. Rick, I bet you you were like that too, weren't you? Yeah, you seem like the kind of guy. <laughs> it took a lot in me to learn how to slow down and walk slow through the crowd. So I've, I've had to learn, you know, that I need to be patient. I need to walk slow and faithfully with God. So the first point is that we got to walk right. We got to learn to walk this way. Come on. Oh, come on. Give it up for the band. <laughs> and don't walk that way according to that song. Walk God's way, by the way. <laughs> just to be clear, I just knew that that would wake some of you up. And now, maybe what the enemy meant for evil, God will use for good. And you'll next time you hear that song, you'll think of walking God's way. Come on. You know, the Hebrew word for faith, it talks about in the scripture, is this word, ament. And it is translated um, with the words faithfulness, reliable, sure, trustworthy, and someone say amen. Amen. It calls to the mind of God's trustworthiness and dependability. Faithfulness is something that comes from a place of trust and loyalty. In Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. As Christian men, it is important that we walk faithfully with God. It's one thing to simply believe in him, but it's another thing to be faithful to him. And before the fall of man, you know, Adam walked faithfully with God in the garden. And in Genesis 3, 8, it says, Then the man and his wife, after they had committed the act of sin and took the forbidden fruit from the tree of knowledge and good and evil, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, but they hid from the Lord. 
They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden, but the Lord called out to the men. Men, God is calling out to you. Where are you? The scripture says. And Adam answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. God is calling out to all of us. He wants to walk with us. Some of us have even been hiding from God instead of walking faithfully with him. Where or what in your life, men, have you been hiding from? Where have you been hiding? Where do you need to slow down and walk faithfully with our Lord? And then verse 15 is when Noah gets the instructions, specific instructions, and I think Rick got that one. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. So the second point is built right. First one is walk right. The next is built right. You know, before you even get into the, the plans and the design, you got to know the designer. You got to know the creator. You can't just go out starting your own plans. You got to learn to walk with the expert, walk with the creator, walk with the one that has it all figured out from the beginning to the end. But then you got to build it his way. <laughs> you got to build it right. The Lord said, this is how you should build it. The ark was built. Did you know this, man? The ark was built out of a problem. Some of you are hesitating on becoming kingdom builders and starting businesses because you think the economy isn't right. It's just right. It's perfect. It's just right for planting churches. It's just right for sending pastors. It's just right for starting businesses to build the kingdom of God. How many opportunities have been formed out of problems? So the ark was built out of a problem. Pay attention that it was God's design. Again, it wasn't Noah's design. And I could think, you know, think back, if, you know, God gives us sometimes a vision or a glimpse of something and right away we want to run. I know I do. And he's like, slow down, son. I've shared this before, but with my boys, sometimes I'm, I'm telling them what to do and trying to give them the next task or what to do. And I'm halfway through my sentence and they'll say, I know, dad. And they run out the door. <laughs> I know what you mean, dad. I know what you want done. But then they end up coming back, and I inspect because people don't do what you expect. They do what you inspect. Come on. That's for somebody today. And I go back, and I inspect, and I said, hey, you missed this, this, and this. And he's like, yeah, I didn't know how to. If you would have stayed and got the bigger picture, all the instructions, and done it my way instead of your way, you would have done it right. And I think sometimes we want to run ahead of God. He gives us the glimpse, you know, the vision. We don't realize we need to walk with him, and we need to do it according to his design, not our own. So Noah could have built it. He could have built the ark on his own understanding to the best of his ability to fulfill the vision. But doing it his way, he would have surely missed God's. And like many believers, we, we have good intentions. We got good intentions for even in our own family. And Noah had good intentions for his own family too. But if he had done it his way, he would have lacked direction. And you'll find direction in the design when you follow God's word. That should be in your notes. You'll find direction in the design if you follow God's word. Thy word is what? A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Right? There are ways that seem right to, to man but only lead to destruction. For his ways are not our ways, neither are his thoughts. Our thoughts are higher. Praise the Lord. 
But trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and always acknowledge him. He'll make your path straight. Then it says in verse 18, but I will establish my covenant with you. Woo! And you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. The third point is contracted by covenant. Contracted by covenant. You know, you can be a, you can be a builder, you can be an overseer, and then you got to make the right choice in the contractors that you pick to fulfill the covenant. Isn't that true? It's no different in church planning. It's no different in business. And it's no different in God's kingdom. He has appointed you, he has anointed you, and he has picked you for such a time as this. And he's watching, do you walk faithfully with him? The ark was crafted by covenant. What is the biblical meaning of covenant? A binding agreement in the literal sense. A covenant means a binding agreement, a legal contract. It is sealed between two or more parties. And in a biblical sense, the word covenant derives, check this out, from the same root word meaning to cut. To cut. This means that in the culture of the Bible, covenant carried weight and was often cut or sealed in blood. Whoa. I got at least three wows out of that one. You see, the the covenant was built through blood, sweat, and tears. Your body is not your own. It was bought for a price. Blood, sweat, and tears. At Churchill's um, speech at wartime, he spoke often of this. He said this, nothing but blood, toil, sweat, and tears of victory at all costs. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory, however long and hard the road may be, at all costs. In Luke twenty-two forty-four, Jesus in the garden and being in anguish, He prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. This was before Jesus was about to be crucified, before he was about the night before he was going to be arrested. He spent time with his heavenly Father. He said, if it's possible, take this cup from me. And Hebrews 13, 20 to 21 says, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything, everything good for doing his goodwill, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, everything that God has built is held together by covenant. And we have been contracted to fulfill our side of the covenant so that our children's 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 children may benefit as well. 
The church has always been God's plan A. There is no plan B. Upon this rock I will build my church, and not even the powers of hell will conquer it. Matthew 6, 18. You know, the ark's final resting place would be on a rock. And on the seventh day of the seventh month, the ark came to rest on the mount, mountains of Ararat. Genesis 8, verse 4. Maybe it's time for some of us to take a rest on the rock. In Genesis 6, 22, it says, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Hope. Oh, that hit me hard. Everything. The word everything in the Greek means everything. We have been, have we been doing everything just as God has commanded us men? You know, the next ark would be the ark of the, the covenant that the Levites would carry with them during the time in Hebrews when they, when the Hebrews would wander in the wilderness containing the Ten Commandments given to Moses by God. The very presence of God would dwell within the ark. And following the conquest of, uh, uh, into the promised land, time to time again, it was carried into battle by the Israelites. Taken to Jerusalem by King David, it would eventually be placed in the temple, the temple by King Solomon. And a new covenant man. A new covenant would tear the veil from top to bottom that would have been used to conceal the ark from sight as it was the most sacred object of the tabernacle where the Lord spoke to Moses in Exodus 25, 10 to 22. God was in the design from the beginning to the end, from the Garden of Eden to the Garden of Gethsemane. There Jesus prayed three times on that night of his arrest before his crucifixion. So when you think covenant men, remember the cross. Think blood, think sweat, think tears. Would you stand with me? Our takeaway is this, exactly that. When you think covenant, remember the cross. I've left us extra room today because I thought it was appropriate that we do communion. You know, for Jesus, and this is quite appropriate for now, for today, I'll be talking about covenant for the next two services. And uh, one of our dear brothers, Vince Dimitri, is getting married tonight. Come on. You know, Jesus was a Galilean. And part of all of his teaching, if you understand the culture, Bob and I were talking about this, is that when they get, did communion, it was no different than when they did a wedding. The bride and the groom would drink from the same cup. So when Jesus was passing around the cup on the night of his, the night of the Passover, the night before he would be delivered into the hands of his enemies and pay the price for our sins, there was a covenant that they had already been practicing for generations. But for them, it would have been a time of celebration, not just the Passover, but in their wedding tradition because there would be a covenant, a bond, a promise that would be given. And Jesus said this in Matthew 26. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. 
Then he took a cup and he, when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood, my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So man, this is what we're going to do. And man, if you're watching online, dad, if you're watching online, um, Coach Delton, can you run down to um, the elements for our guys downstairs? We're going to take communion together. But before we do, if there's someone in this house that needs to get right with God, and I think we all need to be right with God, very clear that when we take communion, it is something that we do as believers. And then before we take communion, if there's anything that we've been, any wrong, anything that we've been holding in our heart that comes between us and God or between another brother, we need to deal with that thing right now so that we can come to God with clean and pure hearts. The scripture I heard this morning when I, you know, the, the verse of the day came out today online. I think I, I think I posted it too. Who's got it on their phone? But I talked about having pure hearts right here. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Matthew 5, verse 8. And then I heard, I heard the scripture in Psalm 51, 10 to 12. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and put a right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore in me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit, a willing spirit. If you're willing, God has already made a way. said in Romans 10 verse 9 if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord believing that God the Father raised his son from the grave that we will be saved he also said that if we confess our sins to one another that he is just and faithful to forgive us of our sins and cleansing us from all unrighteousness I know there's men in the house right now be honest with yourself you haven't been all in for God but to be all in for him you got to let him in all in into your heart one of the greatest joys about waking up on Sunday morning and like any day knowing it's the day the Lord has made but this is a day specifically that we put aside for him for many of us this is our Sabbath this is the beginning of the week you woke up today on purpose, for a purpose. You came to the house of God among other amazing men of God to glorify him, to give your best, and to give him everything else that's been holding you back so that you could be all in. So I'm going to lead us through a prayer. Prayer never gets old for me. And every time I pray it, I pray it like it's my first time. I can remember when I was the five-year-old boy around the corner, southern Manitoba, 
take in the corner and asking my mom after. She would always watch the 100 Huntley Street and all this. And then talked about Christians. I said, Mom, what's a Christian? Five years old. She told me, how do I? And I asked her, how can I be a Christian? And my mother, who's in heaven right now, led me through prayer. Same prayer, very similar that I pray with you and I pray with everybody else everywhere I go because I want everyone to come to know Jesus. That's legacy. That's legacy. And I want to live a life holy and pleasing unto the Lord. I want to be able to stand before him, my mother, my grandparents, and all my relatives and everybody else one day and hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. I want to walk with God, not just up there, but right here, right now. I want to be all in. So I want to lead you through a prayer right now, an all-in prayer. And I'd ask you just bow your heads, close your eyes, and say this with me. Say, dear Jesus, I'm ready to be all in. I'm asking for your forgiveness, for I know I have sinned. I believe that you died for me through blood, sweat, and tears. You gave your life for me, so I give my life back to you. I believe that you rose from the grave, and I'm asking you to come into my heart, to be Lord over my life, to lead me and guide me down the right path. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, whether it's for the first time watching online, listening to this podcast, or in-house, or you're coming back to him, just lift your arms up to him right now, wherever you're at. Praise you, Jesus. So now we're going to take the elements of communion. The, The wafer is in the top right there with the juice below, and And as we're worshiping, we're also going to open it up for baptism. If someone has not yet been baptized and would like to be, just come forward. For in baptism, we are commanded to do this. It's part of our walk with God in making disciples to go into all the world, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching others to obey His commands. And surely He is with us always to the end of age. So as we worship, just feel free. Take the elements. Take the bread, remembering his body. Take the juice, remembering his blood. And remember the covenant, the new covenant that we have with Christ. Let's worship and take the elements now. Thank you for tuning in today. And thank you for continuing to partner with us and for giving so generously to this ministry. If you would like to find out more about how you can partner with us, visit our website at www.wherepeoplematter.church and click the giving link. And don't forget to subscribe and share this with your friends. See you next time.